How do you mean that? Well, I mean that there are the colors and the beauties, the designs, the beautiful way things appear. People themselves, dull people, but I thought dull, appear fascinating, interesting, mysterious, wonderful. But that's only the beginning. Welcome to Strange People, Weird Worlds. Let's get this show started. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Feels a uh, feel a lot more professional. Yeah. Just uh, yeah, just a little, couple little changes. It's crazy, but uh, some small tweaks here and there will uh, will do. Yeah, that's yeah, okay if you bump the table. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I know that was one of my biggest things. Yeah, yeah. My bobbing knees. Well, <clears throat> here we are. Here we are. How was your day? How was your last two weeks? They uh, Last week was crazy, so I started a new job. So I'm working two jobs now, and then when school starts, I'll be adding that into the mix. But So just uh, last week was a first official week of doing both. And goddamn, goddamn, was I tired come my day off on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on top of, you know, trying to move and then finalizing everything else, it's been quite the week. <laughs> But doing fantastic today. Nice. Yeah, this is weird. We don't like see each other now. <laughs> I with, know. with the new setup, there's just this big microphone. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll work it out. Yeah. We'll work it out. How was your week? Uh, it wasn't bad, you know, work and stuff. But um, I had a I had a pretty interesting weekend. Really? Yeah. So I went to see um, my good friend, uh, best friend, uh, and brother Ben. And his uh, lovely fiance Farrell, and basically it, it's outside of Pueblo, oh. outside of La Junta. So like deep down south. And it, Los Animina, <laughs> Los Animas, or something. Kind of by um, like Hooper, kind of like the sand dunes area. It's near the sand dunes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Highway fifty. Ooh, that's a trek. Yeah, and so you know that area is uh, kind of an activity area for UFOs. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, went out to Hooper to go to yeah. the Alien Watchtower. We're going there next weekend. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, we're going to camp. Uh, camp and stay the night. Are you going to camp on the site? Yeah. That's going to... Oh, my God. So when I camped there, um, we didn't see anything in the sky. Yeah. But that night, we were laying in the bed of my dad's truck, so we took it down there. And we're all, like, starting to fall asleep, and we just heard a mechanical noise, like, and there was nobody else in this valley. Like, underground? You honestly couldn't even pin where it was coming from, because it sounded like it was coming from all over, because it just, like, bounced off in the bed. It was very weird. I, like, looked at my friends. They looked at me. We're like, uh, what the fuck? They're like, do we go back into the truck? Do we stay out? We stayed out, but... Thought maybe I was gonna get abducted. Yeah, that, that's really that's really weird. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited though. Uh, but I've definitely heard stories of like weird mechanical sounds, and um, especially at the um, Skinwalker Ranch uh, that I'm always talking about. That was one thing he always heard mechanical sounds underground. And one of the agreements in buying the property was not to dig without the previous owner's knowledge of like where you're digging. 
Maybe they're underground. I, I think so. They're I think they're, I think they're everywhere, man. I mean, everywhere. hey, we're going to figure out when uh, the raid on Area 51 happens. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't think there's anything at Area 51, though. I mean, no. Yeah. They're yeah. too. They're way too yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, old. that's old news. But, so, on our way down there, uh, we're driving, you know, late at night because... Uh, Waited for Miranda to get off work and all that. So by the time we got out, it was like 7.30. So by the time we're on Highway 50, it's dark out. And I'm driving. I'm by myself on this little two-lane highway. And just for a better example of what happened to me, if something's coming behind me on this road that I'm on, like driving-wise, mm-hmm. you can see it forever. Like an ambulance was coming at one point. And it was so awkward because it's like, when do I pull over? Like, this thing is taking forever to catch up with me. It was like five minutes of having an ambulance oh behind me. Like, not directly, obviously, but, you know, miles, miles away and then slowly, slowly catching up. So, you know, you can kind of tell when that's happening. So I'm driving along and all of a sudden just a single light, like a motorcycle headlight, is, if I had to guess... 15 to 20 feet behind behind our vehicle. So it came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, I just noticed it's there. And now here's the thing. It's, it's not like changing proximity from behind me. It's like staying exactly how it is. I take, I take about maybe 5 to 10 solid seconds mm-hmm. to really examine this in the rearview mirror and try and like think about what's going on in my head before I say hey, babe, what's behind us? And I fucking kid you not, as her head's turning, this thing just darts out of the view. And it's gone. What? Fucking gone. 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 There's no turn. There's no anything. (laughs) I didn't see something drive up on me for miles. And I didn't see it. It just literally... That's Like, sideswiped out of the picture as she's turning her head, almost as if it heard me ask her, to look behind. Even though it's that far behind your vehicle and you guys are inside yeah. going down a highway. Yeah. But so, this thing just just appeared there. Like, I, I can't explain it. It's... It's crazy that you had that, like, that experience because when I was down there last summer, um, I love talking to strangers. I love just hearing their stories, especially if you live in those small, like, towns that have those kind of weird histories to them. Yeah. And when we went to Hooper, I got to talking to the lady who was working the watchtower, and she told me that she lived there for a very long time, and um, she pretty much, when she was, like, able to work, started working at the watchtower, and she's showing me these binders, and I look at her, and I'm like, do you have any experiences? She's like, I have so many, but the craziest one was she was driving down the highway, And she was coming back from um, Alamosa. And as she was coming back, she told me that when she looked in her rear view mirror, there was a blue light behind her car that was about 15 to 20 feet behind her car. And she thought that it was like a motorcycle. And she was like, I just kept driving and it followed me for a good couple of miles and out of nowhere. She's like, I started to slow down. It zoomed past my car and up into the sky and disappeared. I was like, what? Yeah, I so wish I would have just like stopped or something as it was behind. But, you know, like... 
rationally, I thought there's a motorcycle behind me. It, it really took thinking about the situation after it happened to realize, like, this thing didn't drive up on me or anything. It was just there all of a sudden. Yeah, you would have seen it, like, the ambulance. Yeah, yeah. And especially with, like, how open those valleys are. I mean, you can see, like you said, you could see a car for miles. Yeah, yeah. It was trippy. I'm excited to hear your experiences really for next trippy. weekend. And hopefully you don't get abducted. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Or I don't, men in black don't come and visit. Yeah, it's the whole thing, like, <laughs> do, do you really want to see something? Like, I mean, I, I want to see something from far away. That's know? where I was, like, when I was laying in the bed of the truck, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, I really kind of want to see something. And I put something in the garden, too, because they have, like, this garden of giving. Yeah, yeah, I read about it. Um, and then I started thinking, like, no, I don't, I don't actually know if I want to see something, like, it's only us. Like, no one else was camping on the campground at the time because it was in the middle of the week, yeah. uh, right before 4th of July. And they're like, yeah, normally we're busier, but it's just you guys tonight on the land. And she actually told us, she's like, if you want, you can come up to the deck of the watchtower and look at night since it's just you guys here. I was like, oh, that's sweet. And nice. then when she told us that, she's like, but be careful because that's when a lot of activity will come. And I'm like, okay. Word. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're really excited. Uh, we bought a big-ass tent and... It's going to be fun. It's going to be hot. It's going to be cool. Yeah, it's going to be hot. Bring a lot of water. It's going to be hot. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're not, like, going to leave. We're going to leave later. Nice. You know, show up in the evening and just camp. As you should. And then, are you going to stay two nights or just one night? Just one night. Just one night. Yeah, just one night. Nice. And maybe check out the sand dunes or something on the way home. Sand dunes are rad. Yeah, it should be fun. Especially at, like, sundown or sunrise. Yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So, other than that... That's uh, that was my weekend. Nice. And then you know, I, I shot some guns and drank a bunch of beer and some outdoorsy shit. Sat in my yeah. He lives on just like a farm out there. He's a hemp farmer. Ah. Oh. Seat for his CBD oils. So they bought like an outdoor, like above ground pool. Of course, outdoor pool, above ground. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we hung out in that and you know, drank beer and listened to music. Good weekend then. Yeah, you know, he's got a four wheeler there. Got some alien experiences, some outdoorsy shit. Yeah, yeah, some cool shit. Yeah, he's they, they just had a baby, so he's kind of like my new little nephew, little Aww. Rowan. Yeah, little babe. Yep, yep, yep. Anyhow, shall we? Uh, shall we get into this? Let's do it. I guess I should. I almost screwed it up again. <gasps> almost. I was about to say, ah, uh, 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 they're gonna uh. reroute it back. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Strange People Weird World. My name is Greg Tanner, and with me, as always, is the wonderful, amazing, and talented Anya Daniela. Hello, everybody. Uh, so the show will be going through some changes. Um, Josh Hart will no longer be with us right now. Uh, you know, he's got a lot going on, just moved to a different city, and he's pursuing several other artistic ventures at the moment, which uh, you should already be following on all the social medias we're constantly telling you to. Lots of projects coming out with him. Yeah, yeah. So for now, it is uh, Anya and I just holding down the fort and uh, Killing it. S- seeing what happens, um, you know. There, there may or may not be a third person. We don't really know at this point, and uh, we're just gonna keep gonna keep doing punches. keep doing what we do. <laughs> on that, there's gonna be uh, lots of good changes, lots of new things happening. Uh, you know, if you follow us on Instagram, you saw we made some changes to the studio. Uh, you might have already heard us talking about that. Decided, you know, depending on when I edited the show to start. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're trying to make the quality of the show a little better. Uh, we're going to be doing some big things with Joseph Musso, the All D20 cast. 
Uh, we did set an official date for Anya's podcast, which we will talk about. And, uh, yeah, lots of cool things happening from us, and uh, hopefully you guys are excited as we are. So hold on to your seats, because it's going to get crazy. Crazy. <laughs> uh, so today we're talking about Alcatraz <gasps> and Ooh. the three men who escaped. This should be interesting. And uh, the potential or possible or... What the fuck happened to them? Did they live? Did they not? We're, we're going to talk about it. You know, I don't think I've ever actually, like, dove into their stories, but I've played video games. Um, do you ever play Black Ops? Uh, Black Ops, Black Ops. Black that, Ops 2. No, that's kind of like right when I stopped playing video games. Um, or at least those kind of games. There was, a, uh, there was a map on zombies that was Alcatraz, and you had to, like, break out, and you had to do pretty much the same exact thing what those three guys did. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. I failed epically, so. <laughs> <laughs> Safe to say I would not be able to escape from Alcatraz. <laughs> and, uh, of course, there is the, the uh, old Clint Eastwood movie, Escape from Alcatraz, kind of mm-hmm. based on these three guys as well. Uh, but much more to the story, of course. As always, or As we, always. we wouldn't be talking about it here on Strange People, Weird Worlds. So, in 1962, three brave prisoners pulled off what was thought to be the impossible and escaped Alcatraz Island. The three were never seen again, and no bodies were ever found. To this day, experts have been debating what happened to the runaway convicts. The FBI assumed that Frank Morris, John Anglin, and Clarence Anglin all drowned in the San Francisco Bay on the night of their escape. Over the years, however, small pieces of evidence have sporadically emerged, offering proof that these men may have somehow survived the frigid waters and strong currents in that June of 1962. Most recently, in 2018, a shocking new piece surfaced. But first, let's talk about Alcatraz. Let's talk about Alcatraz. Alcatraz Island, uh, a.k.a. The Rock. Uh, I've never seen the movie The Rock with Sean Connery, I think. Oh, I was thinking of something very... I've never seen that one either. I think that's a thing. And I think it might be about the prison, maybe. I don't fucking know. (laughs) There's definitely the Clint Eastwood (laughs) movie, though. So, uh, yeah. Alcatraz Island is located 1.2 miles off the coast of San Francisco. Alcatraz's location made it the ideal spot to house Civil War, Civil War POWs in the 1860s. Following the Civil War, the island was modified and fortified with the addition of a brick jailhouse. And through the late 1800s and into the early 1900s, Alcatraz continued to serve as a military prison, housing Spanish-American War POWs and conscientious objectors of World War I. In 1934, Alcatraz was converted to a federal prison. Ever since, Alcatraz has been known as The Rock, an impenetrable and inescapable federal prison in the San Francisco Bay. Although 36 inmates have taken part in 14 separate escape attempts, Out of these 36 inmates, 23 were caught before making it to freedom. Six were shot and killed. Two drowned in the intense currents of the San Francisco Bay, 
and five, including Morris and the England brothers, were never seen again. While these five were presumed drowned by officials, no concrete evidence exists. I didn't have time to find out who the other two may be, and that's not who the story's about, so... They're unimportant. We're not going to worry. They're probably the dead. They're yeah, pro- yeah, they're not. Okay. They're not nearly <laughs> as cool as... It's interesting how when you're researching something like this, like, mm-hmm. these guys, like, turn into the heroes of the story, but, like, you have to remind yourself that they're still escaped convicts, like... Yeah, they were still charged criminals. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's weird how you root for them, like... Right, you're, like, secretly hoping that they made it out, that they were yeah. able to start this brand new life, and then you have to check yourself and yeah. realize, like, yeah. oh, they went away to Alcatraz for a reason. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the Anglin brothers. John and Clarence Anglin were born in Donaldsonville, Georgia, into nope. into a family of 13 kids. Holy guacamole. Their mama was busy. Yeah, no, they couldn't afford guacamole. In that no, family. they could not. No, no not, a, not at avocado prices. <laughs> Holy oh. shit. 13 kids. Yeah, yeah. Their parents, George, George Robert Anglin and Rachel Van Miller Anglin, worked as seasonal farmers. The Anglin family split their time between living in Florida where they worked the tomato fields for most of the year, and Michigan, where they picked cherries every June. Oh, so at least they could afford cherries. I do love fresh cherries. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, cherry juice is great for you, too. It's so expensive. It is. It is. I uh, got some juice from that Colorado Cherry Company on your way to Estes Park. No. That was some good stuff. Nice. Good, good stuff. just like water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh (laughs) Alamode pie from there, too. Mm. It's good stuff. Good stuff. If you're ever in Colorado, check it out. Colorado Cherry Company. You won't be disappointed. No, you will not. Bison pot pie too. They also had. No, bison it was pot pie. Bison pot pie. It was fantastic. God damn. Yeah, we we lived it up. Uh, <laughs> we we driven, your best life. Yeah, we go to Estes all the time. And we've driven past. It's just this little white shack, and we've driven past it so many times. Is it right before you uh, like hit? It's the, like after the Yogi Bear place. Okay, right? I was about to say like right between Yogi Bear and like the entrance. Yeah. To us. Okay. Yeah. Like, before the bridge and all that. And that weird, like, halfway underground house. Yeah, yeah. On yeah. the left side of the highway. But yeah, you, you stop stop there. It's definitely worth it. It's fantastic. Great pie. Great everything. Anyhow, in the early 50s, the Anglin brothers began committing robberies. John and Clarence never intended to hurt anyone, though. So typically they went for closed targets. Hmm. The only weapon they ever used was a toy gun. Oh, it kind of makes you feel better about okay. rooting for them, right? <laughs> right. In 1956, the boys were caught and arrested, and both brothers were sentenced to 15 to 20 years behind bars. After serving time at Florida State Prison in Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, the Anglins moved to the Atlanta Penitentiary, and after multiple failed escape attempts in Atlanta, the Anglins were transferred to Alcatraz in the early 60s. Yeah. So a common misconception with Alcatraz is that everybody there is like the most violent, like crazy offender. Mm-hmm. The real deal with Alcatraz is they would also send the escape artists. And yeah, escape artists and trouble like troublesome prisoners. Um, isolate them away. Yeah, kind of like isolate them away. Guantanamo Bay. Um, but I've heard it. It's also um, it was almost kind of an ideal place for some prisoners because you were guaranteed your own single cell. Really? Yeah. Instead wow. of having a bunk with somebody. Living a life of luxury over at Alcatraz. Yeah, and as we'll learn, uh, they also had some other kind of uh, cool amenities. But we'll get to that. 
we'll get to that. Frank Morris. <laughs> Born in Washington, D.C., Morris had a rough upbringing. He was fostered at 11 years old and spent the majority of his youth bouncing around different foster homes. Mm. That's rough. That's yeah. always rough. The system is... It's very flawed. I imagine back then, too, it was probably oh. really rough. Like, you probably got... What, is that that, like, Matilda movie where she gets, like, fostered? Ping-ponged and, around. Yeah, and then, like, ends up working as a slave at, like, some guy's auto body shop. I think I Danny that DeVito's was, in it. Was that Matilda? I don't fucking know. I don't... I just know... Yeah, I can't there's remember a, the basics. There's a movie about that. a little girl and... Yeah. Annie? No, it's not Annie. It's more recent. Like I said, like, Danny DeVito's in it. Uh I'm terrible with movies. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Flaws. Anyhow, I'm, I'm sure it sucked. I'm sure he got, like, used, Clearly if we used don't a lot. It. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyways, Morris had committed his first crime by the age of 13, and by his late teens had been arrested and convicted for crimes such as narcotics possession and armed robbery. All right, Morris. Yeah, Morris getting it done. Wow. Morris had spent He's time on by- shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He had spent time behind bars in Florida and in Georgia and even managed to escape a Louisiana prison, which was considered the uh, East Coast Alcatraz. Why his <clears throat> magic hands, clearly. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was in the middle of a 10-year bank robbery sentence when he escaped from the Louisiana prison. After escaping the prison, Frank Morris was recaptured a year later while committing burglary. In 1960, Morris was shipped off to Alcatraz, where he met the Clarence brother, where he met the Angle brothers. Clarence is just one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And another inmate named Alan West, who also had a history of attempted prison escapes. It didn't take long before the four convicts began plotting a coordinated effort to escape. So... Starting in December 1961, West, Morris, and the Anglin brothers were assigned to adjacent cells. Now, I've heard this different ways. Um, Like, kind of randomly, I've also heard they they were able to put in a request. Hmm. Um, Alcatraz was doing some different things right now in prison reform, trying to be a little bit nicer to prisoners and give them some leeway on things. Mm -hmm. And it also may be, you know, kind of a case of hubris and thinking... You know, nobody can get out of this jail, so... What's the harm in it? We can put all these escape artists right next to each other. Who cares? Well, I mean, I've watched a lot of, like, prison shows, too. Um, and that was one thing, like, documentaries and such. Uh, one thing that kind of caught me off guard is if they want a new cell, they just put in a request. Yeah. Just, and if they just, have good behavior, they get that cell change. Yeah. I'm like, oh, all right. So, yeah, I heard they put in a request, and, uh, you know, they were able to have us. adjacent scales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Over the next six months, the inmates carefully stockpiled everyday materials that would effectively chip away at the ventilation duct and create an opening wide enough to crawl through. They would cover their hard labor with cardboard and paint each morning so that the guards wouldn't suspect a thing. So basically the idea of what they're doing right now is each cell has like an air vent on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're drilling holes all around it. They're kind of, like, perforating it. Trying to weaken it. Yeah, so when the day comes, they just want to kick through it and, and be able to crawl in. through. But until then, it still looks like the vent is there. Smart. 
Clever. Yeah. Very clever. Now, another one of these amenities I was talking about is every day the prison had what they called a happy hour or an hour of music time in the prison where all the prisoners who played instruments were able to practice their instrument. So during this hour of the prison, there was just... Ruckus. Ruckus, yeah. (laughs) Great word. Ruckus all through the prison. I'm just picturing literally every single instrument known to man. You've got accordions, harmonicas, banjos, guitars, gosh knows. And you know prisoners probably who don't even know how to play were like, oh, I know how to play. Might as well get in on this. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well get in on this. Sharpen your skills. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's believed that this is when they did a majority of their work. Among the tools they used to widen the ventilation ducts in their cells were discarded saw blades found in the prison yard, stolen spoons from the commissary, and Frank even fashioned a drill from the motor of a broken vacuum cleaner. Wow. Frankie boy. Now, Frank Morris had also volunteered to clean up and restore this area they discovered as above their four cells they requested to be in. And they gave him permission. And so he'd go up there and be painting and working on it. And eventually he, he put up these, well, you know, he started kicking a lot of dust down from what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So it became very noticeable and people started complaining. So then he was able to put up sheets blocking the view of him <laughs> up there <laughs> under the facade of he's, he's blocking, you know, he's doing this for everybody. Man. So the guy has pretty much free reign up there. They, they rarely check on him. This is, uh, this is where they would store a lot of the stuff they were doing. He, this is also where Frank would discover a vent that leads to the roof. Now, most of these vents have been cemented shut. Mm-hmm. This particular one over these four particular cells had not. You know, it's crazy, like, as uh, as we're going through this and building it up, have you seen the documentary on Ted Bundy? Uh, I'm assuming yes, probably, with the newest one, mm-hmm. the confession tapes Zach Efron or something. and oh, um, Lily Collins. No, is that out? Yeah, oh, it's on Netflix. Is it a movie? Mm-hmm. It's like a docu- docu-biographic movie. Because we saw the, the tapes or something. It's, um, they followed, like, Bundy's story almost to like a T and they showed um, kind of just his progression and at one point when he was escaping from one of the jails I think it was, what was it? Uh, The first one was in Utah Yeah, and he did the vent thing Uh and then the second one was in Colorado. he jumped out the window. Because he got a lot of like leeway and they're like yeah "Yeah, you can make a phone call. Yeah, yeah. Giving these prisoners too much too, slack. Too much slack. Come I'm on, they're clever. Sometimes they're living better lives than fucking, maybe not me now, but like 20-year-old Greg, he was living rough. I mean, I'm 23 and I'm living rough. See? <laughs> Sometimes See? I'm like, do I want a government vacation? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of big things that are going to be happening, uh, you can expect an SP Weird World Patreon page coming up soon. Ooh. For all you people who just want to throw handfuls of money at us. I know you're out there. Yep. You can make it hail, make it rain. I'm telling you, we won't be mad. We won't be mad at any amount you throw. $100, $200 a month, $300. It doesn't matter. 200 pennies, anything (laughs) else. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. It will be coming though. Seriously, and we'll have bonus stuff going with it, and you know, anything like always. You know, a dollar helps from anybody. Like I said, hold on to your seats. Big things. Yeah. So as I said, this area was used as a staging area for the raft and life vests that they were building out of raincoats. Uh, they also vulcanized the rubber using the steam vents up there. What? So they hardened their, the rubber of their raft using the steam vents, um, also helping with the stitching and everything to tighten everything up. Wow. They made themselves life vests. They're like building Noah's Ark for criminals. Paddles out of scrap wood. <gasps> Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Like they're a little bit more clever than me. So it should be noted that Frank Morris was smart, to say the least. With an IQ of 133, it was said Whoa. he would have been in the top two percentile of people in the world at the so time. He's the smartest ones. It's. I've always said that you see certain little kids, and it's like, wow, you're either going to do amazing things, or you're going to do some fucked up shit, or you're going to do amazingly terrible things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you're either going down like as an amazing person, or down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, like Frank Morris. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Frank was presumed to be the brains of the operation, even though uh, Alan West would later take credit for it. No, Come on, Alan. Alan couldn't even make it out. Jesus. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> what a chump. <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs> so, after months of work, the plan was set. First, the men would break open and squeeze through the vents in their cells and crawl into the utility space. From there, the men would retrieve the items, climb to the cell block roof through a series of pipes and beams... It was said that all in all, they were carrying about 50 pounds worth of stuff. They would climb, once on the roof, they would climb down to the water's edge, where they would inflate the raft using an accordion-like musical instrument that (laughs) Frank had requested months earlier. (gasps) Requested! (laughs) They also knew that they needed every minute they could to get ahead of authorities. So they gave themselves a head start, literally. The men used a mixture of soap, toothpaste, concrete dust, and toilet paper to create homemade paper mache. They sculpted the mixture into lifelike dummy heads using real hair collected by the Engel brothers from the barbershop. Before escaping, the men would place their fake heads along with towels and clothing under the blankets, creating the illusion that they were still asleep in bed. Fucking genius! And so... It's my understanding that it wasn't uncommon that when they do the breakfast alarm that some people just wouldn't get up and go. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of buy them a little more time, too. It wasn't like people like coming to your cell right away to, like... Man, prisons were really lenient back then. Fucking laid back at Alcatraz. This is probably what made it, like, super uptight. Right? <laughs> like, well, shit, guys, we fucked up once. Yeah, yeah. We really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so... The preparations were complete. The men were ready to make their move, and on the night of June 11th, 1962, Frank Morris, Alan West, Clarence, and John Anglin set out to make history. However, West made one crucial mistake. He had noticed that the hole in his cell was crumbling away a little too early, so he used some cement to smooth over the sides. 
Yeah, plus these guys have access to all sorts of tools and, I was like, shop say things. And, and yeah, because it's assumed that with the the rafts, not only stitching, but they were able to get, like, cement glue, too, wow. from the shop. The, it's been confirmed by, like, prison workers that they would have had access to that. They had more access to shit than I do. Absolutely. Oh yeah, God. they were living. Li- I don't know why. I don't know why they left. Little MacGyver. Right? <laughs> uh, so, unfortunately, when it came time, uh, the he was able to smash out the vent, but where he smoothed it off with the cement made it a little too narrow for old uh, Westy oh, boy to fit through. Alan. So the men made the tough decision that he would have to stay behind, and the other three oh. went on without him because they didn't have. They decided that the noise would be too much of them sitting there chipping away at it right now. Wow. He should have fasted. Yeah. He should have kept in mind his escape body. Right? Let Come himself on. go. Come on, mastermind. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you got all this and can't watch your calories? Can't watch your goddamn calories. <laughs> Maybe he had birthing hips. Maybe it right. wasn't his fault. He's over there doing that Cheeto ramen mix that they like to do <laughs> in prison. The Cheeto ramen burritos. He's like, I'll be fine. Yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about there, you take a ramen noodle mix, uh, you kind of start cooking it, get it, you know, malleable and all that. Then you take a bunch of crunchy Cheetos and you mix it all together and it makes this kind of like cheesy noodle. You got to crush up the Cheetos. It's a five star meal right yeah, there. Yeah, that's prison cooking, prison cooking. Anyways, <laughs> while West was stuck, Morris and the Anglins were ex- executing their plan flawlessly. Guards reported hearing a loud crash around 11.30 p.m. as the three convicts broke through the ventilation shaft and onto the roof. But because no noise followed, guards just assumed it was nothing. (laughs) It is later confirmed, too, that 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 is what happened. They they just pushed off this giant, like, air shaft on top of the roof. It crashed down. Yeah, that was the only thing they really didn't plan for. But, uh, the guards, I mean, clearly they're super lenient. Yeah. Like they're, <laughs> that's in the 60s. Hey, they probably had their cigar. Yeah, it's fucking some cold. Some whiskey. I ain't getting up for that shit. <laughs> yeah, they're like, already drunk at this point. Like, you know, play that same cookie again. <laughs> <laughs> Boss, do you want to check out that? No, no it's okay. Give yeah, me some more whiskey. Give me some more whiskey, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. I'm going to pin this on the guards so far. Absolutely. Fucking leniency. Leniency. So the men brought their 50 pounds of equipment down a kitchen vent pipe to the ground where they scaled two 12-foot barbed wire fences before making it to a spot where the guards couldn't see them on the northeast shore. Uh, people have also asked, like, how could you not see this raft, you know, going away if the guards are patrolling out there? But the San Francisco Bay is super foggy. Yeah, and I was going to say, there has to be a blind spot somewhere. Yeah. And with all the humidity and dewiness. Yeah, and it's said at times, like, it's so foggy, you can't see your hand in front of your Mm -hmm. face. Isn't that where the movie The Fog was filmed? Up north? I don't know. I don't know. More movies we don't know anything about. (laughs) Let's keep bringing them up. Bringing them up. Keep bringing them up. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Any movie critics, don't judge us. Don't judge us. I'm terrible at stuff. Like, Miranda's great. She knows. Remembers name, actors' names and things like that. Like, I don't. Like, I'm absolutely awful with yeah, it. Yeah, she'll mention, like, any actor. I'm like, all right, give me a movie. <laughs> give me another movie. They give you, like, ten give me and another I'm like, movie. can you pull up Google? Yeah. <laughs> show, me, show me a picture. <laughs> oh, that's uh, who it yeah, is. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, but I'm like, oh, I still can't remember the name of the movie. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Movie quotes, out the door. No, I am good at music, though. I'm pretty good at music. I'm... I'm really good with beat. Like, once again, it comes down to I could be because I've had, like, over five head injuries that I, like, can't remember, like, those small nitty, like, 
gritty details. Yeah. But music, great with, don't know the names, that's okay. So I'd be like, oh, do you like this song? I'm like, oh, I've never heard it. And they play it, and I'm like, oh, I love that song. They're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still, I, I still want to do a music podcast. I used to talk about it way back in the day. But, oh, um, I'm kind of narrowing down exactly what I want to do, mm-hmm. but I, I thought of the name today. I don't know if I should say it on the air yet. No, don't say it yet. Okay. Nope. nope. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry, guys. That, that's that's way out. That is way out. That's not one of the new Another upcoming day. things I was talking about. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that's a project way, way out there. That's when you guys start giving me money to stay home and, like, make podcasts. That's when that kind of stuff happens. So what kind of music podcast would it be? Um, so I'm thinking something like, uh, like either the history of rock, like Ooh. starting from the beginning. Cause that's an amazing journey, mm-hmm. like way back to the beginning of blues and country and everything. I was going to say, I took a college course a couple of years ago, history of rock and roll. Yeah. I took and I'm that. taking a jazz class this semester. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite college courses. Um, or I was maybe like a podcast highlighting like different obscure bands and just kind of talking about them and their story. What if you like finding cool stories from bands? Maybe merging the two would be yeah super cool. I don't want to give too many things away though. So oh, I really want to say the name. Let's let's, let's <laughs> we're veering away from this hard. Moving along back onto the boat. After yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> so old Westy boy would finally make it through the hole in his cell. Oh West! But when he arrived on the roof, he realized that Morris, the Anglin brothers. And all the gear was nowhere to be found. No. (laughs) With nowhere to run and no way of leaving the island alone, West had no option but to return to his cell. He would later cooperate fully with the investigators and provide them with every detail of the inmate's plan to avoid any punishment for his involvement in the escape. What a little snitch. Right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right. You're even in on it. You can't be grumpy because you couldn't count your calories. (laughs) Yeah, come on, man. Come on. Mastermind. Mr. I thought of everything. Yeah, West. You went south. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, zing. Buzzing, (laughs) What a sad oh, day. Oh, boy. Speaking of days, for 10 days following the, ex- the disappearance of the three Alcatraz inmates, law enforcement agencies searched the air, land, and sea for any trace of the convicts. On June 14th, the Coast Guard found a paddle 200 yards from Angel Island's southern coast. Later that day, in a nearby location... A search team found a plastic-wrapped wallet with photos, names, and addresses of the Anglin family and friends. A week later, authorities found remnants of the raincoats used for the rafts and life preservers. All right. So, West originally told them their plan was to land on Angel Island. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk more about that later. I just want I want you to hold on to that nugget of information and that, that's our... that's where that stuff was just found. Was Angel Island. So they, they just hold on to that information in your head. Word. All right. So even though law enforcement agencies came across various pieces of evidence confirming the escape of Morris and the Anglins, they failed to find any human remains or concrete physical proof of the convict's whereabouts. West had reported that the men planned on stealing clothes and a car once they reached Angel, Angel Island. But no theft reports were reported in the area after the escape. The FBI was stumped. After a 17-year investigation, 
The FBI closed the file on the three convicts on December 31st, 1979. 17 years. Determining that the runaway prisoners most likely drowned in the frigid waters and brutal current. In 2014, a team of Dutch researchers decided to use computer models to simulate the bay's condition on the night of the escape and determine the prisoners' likelihood of survival. The researchers concluded that the men actually did have a legitimate chance of surviving, but only if they left Alcatraz between 11 and midnight. Which I believe that. Which they did. Because oh. it is documented that the noise on the ceiling was at 11.30 p.m. So they were smacked down in the middle of golden hour. Yep. Well, well, well. So... Back to these Dutch researchers. Uh, there's a documentary you can watch. I don't necessarily recommend it because it is boring. <laughs> but they they find a guy who's got this whole fucking, like, mini model of, like, the west coast of California and stuff. And all the current, like, he can exactly replicate all the currents that go through it. What? And it helps, um... It helps rescue teams, like, recover bodies and things like that mm-hmm. to figure out, like, where they would end up. So doing tests, they figured, that's how they figured out this, like, golden hour they could get through. I mean, I say it's a little nosy of the Dutch. <laughs> I'm into something from, like, what, 50 years right? prior? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, they figured out that they could, but they wouldn't make it to Angel Island. They would have had to shoot off a different direction, and mm-hmm. they could have actually made it to... The California coast because of this like special current. current situation. You have to watch the boring documentary to understand the special current situation. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, now, had they landed there and left their stuff, when the tide and current reversed, it would have brought anything sitting on that shoreline to Angel Island. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Pretty Interesting. These same Dutch scientists uh, built their own raft out of life jackets, the same kind of life jackets that they would have had, Mm -hmm. using the same cement glue that they would have had and stitching and stuff like that. Uh, Their system for inflating it, though, was they built tubes into it, three tubes for it. It was like a, they, uh, it was basically like the, a triangle raft, three big inflatable tubes on each side, and then a bottom that wasn't inflated. Mm. And so each inflated side had a tube, and they had to like keep blowing them up as they were going. So they made the determination that this is probably exactly what happened to the prisoners, and only one of them would, able, would have been able to paddle, because that's all the scientists could do, mm-hmm. is have one scientist paddling. These are fucking Alcatraz Con- yeah. prisoners, okay? <laughs> they are determined. Yeah, and, yeah and they are fighting for their fucking They're life. They're not just recreating an experiment. Yeah. So when the scientists did it, they, they went out in the middle of the night and all that stuff. And they started floating dangerously. If you go past the Golden Gate Bridge, you would go into the ocean and be fucked. Mm -hmm. So the scientists made it pretty far, but they got to the danger zone where they had to, like, have boats. Abort ship. Yeah, abort ship. So they made the 
their determination. But these are Dutch scientists. Exactly. We're like, talking about Dutch. American convicts. <laughs> we're talking about Alcatraz convicts here. We're these talking guys about, are determined. We're talking about Frank Morris. I was about know? to say, Frank has been going out since a little boy. Yeah. Like, he's not going to let anything stop him. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? All 13 right. years old and he was already in the system. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm not... As I said, watch the documentary if you want. I don't know what it's called. You can find it on YouTube. It's pretty easy. I, I did, so. <laughs> In 2012... 15... <laughs> <laughs> that was my water <laughs> In 2012, 50 years after the infamous attempted escape, two of the Anglin sisters... And two of their nephews went public and announced their belief that John and Clarence were still alive. Marie Anglin Winder stated that no long after the escape in 1962, she received a brief phone call where the caller said, This is John Anglin. Additionally, the family received a Christmas card in 1962 which read, To Mother from John, Merry Christmas. Authorities then confirmed that there was, in fact, a chance that the runaway convicts survived. The family also reported that they would see two strange women show up at family funerals wearing veils and heavy makeup. They would only sit in the very back and leave very promptly. Mmm. Wow. Pretty, pretty interesting. Very interesting. Pretty interesting. Uh, the mother said she would also just get roses from time to time. With no card or anything. Because they probably knew, like, the authorities are going to be watching their families if they go back. which they were. And the Anglins stuck to a very strong story for years, saying, no, no chance, they've never tried to contact us, anything. It wasn't until they, like... Came out in the 2000s. Yeah. (laughs) And they're all on their deathbed saying, like, well, yeah, actually, they've been out there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We bamboozled you. Bamboozled. Wow. In 2015, the History Channel produced a documentary providing substantial amount of evidence favoring the prisoner's survival. The testimony included the Christmas cards with handwriting matching that of the England brothers, which were sent to the England family for three years after the escape. The documentary also provided a story and accompanying photo from Fred Breezy, Brizzy, it's B I. B-R-I-Z-Z-I. Brazai. Brazai. <laughs> a family friend of the Anglins claiming they were living in Brazil. What? The photo, taken by Fred Brazai, provided evidence that the Anglin brothers may have made it to South America. Brazai was visiting Rio de Janeiro in 1975 when he ran into the Anglins standing by a farm. Brazai took a photo of the brothers which uh, I will post on the Instagram. Uh, which he planned to show the Anglin family and let them know that their boy's alive. Boys were alive. But because Brzee knew the investigation was ongoing at the time, he needed to wait. So he waited until 1992 to send the photo to the Anglins. Brzee died a year later. Old age or? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing creepy. Even though Brzee's photo was absolutely the best actionable lead we've had, according to the deputy U.S. Marshal, Art Roderick, 
the investigators still had their doubts. Roderick added that it could still be a nice story, which isn't true. Another deputy marshal named Michael Dyke stated that because Brzee himself was a drug smuggler and con man, authorities should be hesitant to trust his information. After all, he could just be trying to steer the investigation away from the England's actual location. They are probably honestly just so angry that they couldn't find anything. Oh, they're, they're pissed about it. <laughs> they're not happy. They are, they're underwear in a lot. Yeah, and anytime it comes up that they might be, they're just like, no. They died. That's inconclusive. Uh, we close that file. <laughs> <laughs> so the U.S. Marshals hired, a ser- hired an expert to analyze Brzee's photograph and compare physical features and measurements shown in the photo to what they knew about the Anglins in 1962. Based on what they saw, the experts believed that there was a high likelihood the men photographed by Brzee were, in fact, the Anglin brothers. Bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately... The fact that they were wearing sunglasses prevented a definitive conclusion. Now they were smart. Yeah. Like, you can take our picture, but with the glasses. Yeah, let's put these sweet aviator shades on real quick. And finally, in January of 2018, as stated at the beginning of the show, a letter surfaced that was originally sent to the San Francisco PD in 2013. The letter, which was reportedly written by John Anglin himself, oh, Johnny boy, stated that Morris and the Anglin brothers barely made it to the shore that night. And the author of the letter went on to explain that Morris died in 2008 and Clarence died in 2011. After the brief introduction, the letter went on to ask for something that nobody really saw coming. Now. Gripping the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> the letter read, My name is John Anglin. I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I'm 83 years old and in bad shape. I have cancer. And yes, we all made it that night, but barely. If you announce on TV that I will be promised to first go to jail for no more than a year and get the medical attention I need, I will write back and let you know exactly where I am. This is no joke. The letter was examined and determined inconclusive for no reason. And um. God, I'm doing terrible right now. I'm sorry. It's Monday. Yeah. The letter was examined and determined inconclusive and no reason for the FBI to reopen the case. For the time being, the U.S. Marshals are the only agencies still conducting an active investigation on the case. If the letter was, in fact, written by John Anglin, the case could potentially be reopened by the FBI. Investigators have their doubts. After the letter surfaced, the U.S. Marshals Service released a statement saying, There is absolutely no reason to believe that any of them would have ever changed their lifestyle and become completely law-abiding citizens after their escape. 
Even if that's true, it just means they didn't get caught again. Exactly. I mean, you already have to live, like, a life under the table and, like... And you, of course, would not stay in America after you just got sent to Alcatraz. Right? Like, you've been transferred through all these, like, penitent... Like, you're gonna leave the country. Okay, so here's the kicker. Oh, God. (laughs) The note says Mm -hmm. that he spent his time in North Dakota, Seattle, and is currently living... Just three hours away from Alcatraz in Southern California. What? Brain buster. So, so he didn't leave. So maybe uh, Breezy was showing a little red herring. Or, is that the right term? I think so. Fake, fake evidence, something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Interessante. Experts who compared the letter's handwriting to John Anglin's and to the Christmas cards which Anglin had sent his family received noted consistency in the likelihood that it was legitimate. If the letter was written by John Anglin, and if he is still alive, he would now be in his late 80s. And if he has cancer, I mean, he's like... He's probably... He's walking that fine line Probably didn't make it. Going into the bucket. He'd be like 89 right now. Yeah, he's probably dead. Yeah. Rest in peace. The U.S. Marshals will continue this case until there's evidence of his death or until he's 99 years old. Wow. Otherwise, open case. They will not stop hunting you, John Anglin. John Anglin, watch out if you're still alive. Watch out. Watch out. That's the story of the three men, minus one, Alan West. Fucking Alan. (laughs) Who escaped Alcatraz. Wow. What do you think? Honestly... Are they out there? Is he out there? Were they out there? I think they were out there. I think that they survived, and like he's like, you know, like we said, that they barely made it. I think that they were determined. I mean, you literally, when you have a prisoner who gets sent to Alcatraz, like that's like your final, like end of the road, end of the road. And so when you were faced with that, like any life challenge that you have, you're going to be determined. And so I think, like, when it compares to the Dutch scientists. You guys are just recreating something. I mean... It's a, um, what's it called? Uh, oh my god, my mind is, like, blinking. A simulation. Yeah. You don't have that determination like you would in the real world. Not only, not only that, like, are they just scientists and not prisoners escaping? Like, these are men of the 1960s, and I'm sorry to say... Men were men back. Like, that was a different breed of men back then. Well, because, then. yeah, like, in the 1960s, like, even leading on and a little bit kids before. Kids who grew up farming. And, or Frank Morris, who's 133 IQ and has been a criminal since he was 13. When you're on, when you turn 18, you're on the draft list. You're getting sent out yeah. to war. Like, it's a totally yeah. different lifestyle. Yeah. Like, men so were men. Like, they are like, if I want this, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I, I guarantee you that these these three men were much stronger than Dutch scientists, much more determined than Dutch scientists. Yeah. <laughs> now, did they make it to South America, or did they stay here? The the picture, let me see if I can find it for you real quick. It's a mind-boggling question. I've got the South America picture. Boom. That's that's them, the South America picture. Oh, wow. Um, I don't think I've loaded any pictures of them. They definitely look like brothers with that. Younger yet. That, that's the raft they found on the shore. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm going to be putting all these pictures up for you guys on the Instagram. Maybe um, they went to South America and came back. 
that definitely like I would you would you would think you would definitely leave the country first. Yeah, for at least a while. For let a your cool kind of trail period. cool down. Yeah. Your tracks kind of be covered by the wind. But the you're gonna you're, you're gonna miss America. Maybe they don't like speak Spanish or anything. Maybe they came back to their family. Yeah. And they secretly were visiting. I mean, and then the and again, funeral. they said they're here for these funerals. Yeah, because one of their brothers died like a. The year they escaped, or a year after they escaped, and, and that's, that's the first heavily, time they were seen at the funeral. Yeah, that's crazy. And at that time too, I mean, you wouldn't ever can, you would never think of anything because that in that time, society and like cultural views, like there was no. You were very placent with what you were born into. Yeah, and so probably no one would ever like question that. So there's, there's them, you know. Mm-hmm. Mug shots and all that. And then what was the Brazil picture again? Uh, da, da. Uh, tough to say. I mean, it's great. It is really tough to say. Yeah. Especially with the picture quality at the time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, so, too. So uh, here, there's a side-by-side of these two. I mean, it definitely has the same hairline. Like yeah. The huge-ass forehead. Yeah. And I guess, like, their, the height comparison was made by whoever analyzed the picture and stuff like that. And also, like, the nose is very similar. And Okay, I can definitely, I can, I can see the rough comparison. So, what year did I say they escaped? Uh, Six, 62. 62. 62. 79, mm-hmm. he said he saw them in Brazil. Was that right? No, 79 is when the case... I think in the... Late 80s, because yeah. he sent the picture in the, ni- like, 92. Yeah, yeah. It was close. I think it was 88. So it makes sense, because at that point, like, it had been, you know, over 10 years it had passed. And if they're in their, like, anywhere in their 20s, they're going to be in your 30s at that point. I mean, who knows? I get, you might even just keep moving, if that's the case, you know? You just. I mean, if you escape from Alcatraz, like, you got to be constantly on the go. yeah. That's like, uh, who was it that they caught recently in, like, his 80s? Uh, it was like... Oh, so it was 1975 when he was in Rio de Janeiro and okay. saw, saw the brothers. So, 13 years later. The FBI closes a case after 15 years. Then you come home. Is that knowledge to them somehow? I mean, it makes sense. Because they're probably thinking, okay, like, my trail is no yeah. longer hot. Like, they're not looking yeah, for us anymore. Yeah, who cares about the U.S. Marshals? What do they ever do? I mean, yeah. Barely even hear it's them. It's like, oh, the FBI is no. Didn't, I didn't even know they were still active. I didn't even know they were still a thing. <laughs> I mean, I see, like, the U.S. Marshals when I go on, like, military bases and such, but. Yeah, I don't know. I thought, like. And, like, on, like, by Cap Hill, by the Capitol. Yeah, I thought you'd but... be, like, Walker, Texas Ranger to be a U.S. Marshal or something. <laughs> I don't even know. I guess he's a Texas Ranger. So, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I like to think they made it. Mm-hmm. Um, the I'm having a hard time with the letter and the conflicting, like, Brazil thing. Like, I would like, if I could work that out. Because mm-hmm. the letter did say, didn't mention Brazil. He said I was living in North Dakota, Seattle, now South LA. But who knows? Like, could the letter be a hoax of a guy trying to just get medical treatment for himself? Yeah, and someone who's like, oh, I can hop onto this and yeah. grab that attention. But, I mean, at the time, too, though, you could go undercover in North Dakota. Like, 
Absolutely. Because major media was not a thing back Absolutely. then. Absolutely. You go right now. Yeah. Undercover <laughs> <laughs> in North Dakota. You can go to the Dakotas and Fucking you are set solid. Coming out. We can talk. I was looking at our uh, analytics today and like where we're getting listened to. We can talk all the shit we want about the Dakotas. Nobody listens to us there. Sweet. All right, yeah. Dakotas. Yeah. You guys are. You guys are. Yeah, we don't do good and falling behind. We're doing, you know, we're spreading out around the country, but we are not like listened to in like Nebraska, North Dakota. Wyoming, Montana. These That's fucking okay. cowboys, yeah. <laughs> they don't even know what a podcast is. Actually, a uh, fun story about cowboys. Realize cowboy presence in Colorado, very heavy. Very, very heavy. I yeah, was you, up go, in, you go outside of Denver, yeah. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. up in Loveland and yeah. helping my dad pick up his new car. And he's like, oh, let's go get, like, a beer and a bite tea. He's like, okay. And we go maybe five, like, five blocks over, and we go into this little restaurant Everybody in there, cowboy buckles, cowboy hat, cowboy boots, who walk in, and there was that typical, stereo, like, stereotypical movie scene where they put down their beers and they all look at Everybody us. Everybody looks at you. And they're just grunting, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being in Denver and Colorado is like being in Austin and Texas. Yeah. Like, you're, just, you're just an anomaly. <laughs> Huge anomaly. <laughs> um, even uh, Portland, like, the rest of Oregon hates Portland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I um, went out to... Because um, they'll have, like, little small cities in Portland will have, like, campaigns, like, don't let Portland make our decisions mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. I went out to Cor- Corvallis. Yeah, Corvallis. And I mentioned Portland. They're like, we don't talk about Portland. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, unfortunately, us cool, big, hip, weird cities aren't generally liked. Like, it was real during the last election. Like, you drive through the mountains and you see big old Trump signs and shit like that. Like, it's. I mean, I think Colorado was on the border last election of being what was that? Is it blue, Republican, or is that red? Uh, blue is Democrat, red's Republican. Oh, um, yeah, I think it was like borderline of becoming a red state. Yeah, yeah, it's close. And everyone was like, "How?" I'm like, "Because it's only Denver." Yeah, you leave. Well, I guess here you have Denver and Boulder. That's about it, because Colorado Springs is, I mean, it's split between, like, super religious military, and then you have, like, gang members. Yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm not sure how Fort Collins is, but. It's college students that probably don't. They're just dumb. (sighs) No offense, Fort Collins. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow. But, yeah, I, I think they made it. I I want to be an nope, optimistic. No body was ever found. It. I mean, it is easy to lose a body in the bay too. But that is true. But I think they made it. You know, and I, the fact that they used toy guns, like they weren't really that bad of dudes. They weren't that bad, and you know, I mean, they're criminals. They're making their way. Yeah, we had thirteen brothers and sisters. I. uh... You gotta do what you gotta do. At least you were harming and like harming anyone. But yeah, I, I just I I really think they made it. I, they had a good plan. And uh, they, they kicked some ass and took names and yeah, and unfortunately, you know, Alan I, West. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> he did Alan not West. Make it. And I think especially <laughs> because of the research with the currents and that they did make it out in this like you yeah know, gold, golden hour of time. And like, the fact that like when the currents reversed, it would have drawn in back everything to Angel Island. It yeah. totally makes sense. Yeah. So. But then like the wallet thing, so maybe they even went like overboard. I, I could imagine, you know, maybe they were close. Maybe and, they're uh, shipped, like, their they, little boat capsized yeah, right by shore. Maybe they were. Maybe, you know, somebody was sitting there with the accordion trying to keep it afloat <laughs> and, you know, getting air into it. And maybe, the, you know, if I saw shore and the struggling with a boat, I would just say, fuck it. 
yeah. jump out and swim. Jump ship and just swim over there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, especially if you're escaping from Alcatraz. Like, yeah. you got the fire underneath your ass. Yeah, you got to move. <laughs> you were on go time. You got to move. Uh, so somehow, I guess I, I, you know, I missed when I was typing up the story. So in the morning, the, the breakfast bell sounds. And people... It was because they noticed that not just the Anglin brothers, but the Ankle brothers and Frank Morris weren't out, that they went and checked. They got a hutch. And one of the guards goes, and he reaches his nightstick through the bars and taps one of the Anglin brothers' heads, and it proceeds to roll off the bed and fall <laughs> on the floor and chip and break. And, uh, I'll try and find some pictures of those heads, because those are online, too. Oh, wow. But uh, they're pretty. They're pretty shitty looking. But I guess I guess it would work in a pinch. Like it just falls down to the, the real, cards. Yeah, the real hair. I mean, that's a good touch. Though. That's a real good, yeah, touch. That's a good touch. Very smart. Yeah, very smart. But yeah, yeah the guards. You guys need to step it I up. I think a lot of like I said, a lot of hubris there. Of like you know, this is the rocket to the inescapable prison. We don't have Kinda to. Kind of like fucking, the macho, like we don't have to do. Yeah, anything. we don't have to worry we're about it. Yeah, yeah, we got. And this. clearly, you guys fucked up. Done fucked up, AA Ron. <laughs> I mean. You let three uh, three new people have a new life. Second chances, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> I wonder if their pay got docked. I, the Alcatraz was actually shortly closed. Closed shortly afterwards. Um, it was falling apart, too. Yeah. That's why it was easy for them to chip away at the walls. Because um, they used salt water in the plumbing of this place. So it was just eroding from the inside out, basically. Yeah, On top smart. of like the salt water in the air and everything, like the place was just falling apart. Eventually, had to make so. the decision. But you can still go there now. Uh, you can go for a daytime history tour or a nighttime ghost tour. Ooh, that'd be pretty fun. It's kind of the same with the Stanley Hotel here in Colorado. You can get a daytime history tour, a nighttime, nighttime ghost, ghost tour. tour. We've done we've done both. I'm sure you've. You've I've actually have never done been, either. No? I've been to the Stanley Hotel numerous the, uh, times. The nighttime but... w- was pretty uneventful. Yeah. It, it was fun. It was okay. The daytime history tour is really cool, though. Yeah. The Stanley Brothers are amazing. They'll make you feel shitty about your life. <laughs> like, they started accomplishing things at, like, five years old and, oh. like, didn't stop. God. I mean, you know, Stanley Steamer, the Stanley Steam Engine, stuff like that. That's them. Like, That's all them? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, their story is really amazing. They were supposed to die. They had, like, I think it was leukemia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where you have, like, water on your lungs, maybe? Uh, pneumonia. Pneumonia. Uh, something. Uh, it was something long-term, but they had to be out here in the dry, thin air. Like, a doctor. He, they were pronounced, like, you're going to die. Or maybe one of the brothers. And they were sent to... Uh, dry high. Dry and high. And wow. they, they lived for years. No wonder they built a beautiful hotel. That is what, yeah. It's it's a real cool history there. The daytime tour is really cool. That was actually my favorite one. I did go there during the day and walked around with my mom, and I can, like, sense weird things, and there was a few times I went to one of the ballrooms, and uh, at the same time, my mom, because we're on both sides, we're on, like, opposite ends of the room, at the same time, we both turned and looked at each other, and I'm like, did you feel that? She's like, did you feel that? I'm like, let's get the fuck out of this room. (laughs) Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Peace out, ghost. Well, I, th- I think that's it. You know, I, I'm sticking with, uh, I think they made it. I think they made it. And, uh, Did they go to Brazil or not? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a hard one. I don't one. know. Was the letter him or not? Who knows? Who knows? It, it does, they did say matches the Christmas cards. I believe in the Christmas cards. Um, 
I, I think they made it. I think so maybe they, they came. They. I think made they were it. showing up to funerals yep. dressed in drag, and I think they were sending their mom flowers and Christmas cards, and I think they They're made some it. wholesome dudes. They're, yeah, yeah like how could guns. you be mad at that? They <laughs> sent their mom flowers. That's what they did. And they showed up to funerals. Right, they are family. Family they may be criminals, but yeah. this goes to show that there's yeah. more than meets the eye. Right. <laughs> Anyways, so that's it for that, and. Um, so Anya, you got you got your show coming out. We talked about I it last do. week. We have an official date set. That we do. That we do. It's uh, August twelfth. August twelfth, I believe 12th. it was. Uh, so she, her show will be coming out on Mondays on the opposite weeks of this show. Kind of yes. give give you something to listen to now. On so now you the, got uh, something every week. Yeah, you got every week. You got Joe's show every every Wednesday. You'll have Anya every other Monday, and you'll have us every other Wednesday. Whew. It's looking good around here. Um, we'll have some more exciting announcements about that particular situation of podcasts coming up. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. Um, but Last seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look forward to that coming out August 12th. I know I'm looking forward to it. I'll be listening to it. I hope you'll be listening to it. Make sure you get right on there. Give it the five-star rating, comment, and all that stuff. Speaking of five-star ratings, uh, if you haven't given us one yet, we haven't talked about this in a long time. I haven't fished fished her ratings in a long time. (laughs) But yeah, what are you doing with your life? Drop that five-star. And the thing is, is sometimes they're like, Anya, Greg, I don't have an iPhone. I don't use iTunes. (laughs) You know somebody who has an iPhone. Exactly. You're going to grab their phone. It's a purple app that says podcast, or you can just go to the search bar, type in podcast. The little purple icon is going to come up. You're going to look up Strange People, Weird World. You're going to scroll downwards. After you pushed on the show, you're going to scroll downwards. You're going to see empty blank stars. You want to hit the one on the far right side. That's a a five-star rating right there. It's a fiver right there. All right? If you're really committed to the cause, you're going to leave a little comment. I noticed a couple new comments last time I looked on our thing. Yeah, shout out to you. One guy was was a jumbling of letters and like numbers so shout I'll out take to, it. shout out to jcw82 play i don't appreciate the know. gibberish yeah. yeah appreciate the gibberish <laughs> it was a great comment though thanks i think you said something like best podcast i've heard in a long time hey yeah thanks for that thank you and um yeah so make sure you steal somebody's phone leave a five-star rating and a comment um if you're thinking about leaving a one or two star comment go fuck yourself you rethink your rethink your life situation yeah you're yeah i mean come on who Unless you have, like, some good critical comment, like, commentary, which then you should still give us at least, like, four. You give me a three for trying with some constructive criticism. Thank you. Be generous. But uh, one star, two star people, get out of here. Go, go, I, what, I don't know what you do. Go, go change go, a flat tire. Go do something. Yeah. <laughs> Sit on it. Go do, <laughs> go do some dishes. I hope you get pruny fingers. Right. Um, yeah, it's the worst. Also... Man, I'm thinking about getting rid of the Facebook too. I think I'm thinking about just going to Instagram with us. Honestly, I don't think nobody likes the Facebook posts except for like a couple friends of mine. I was gonna say like I think with where uh, everybody's at right now, Instagram is like the most like. Yeah, I think we're gonna go just Instagram. Highest platform. Yeah, because uh, we that that is where we get our most likes and everything too. Yeah. And I mean, Twitter is. Who's, who's it's yeah, we're not tweet. No. We're not tweetily deedily deeding over here. No, no. not tweet tweet tweet. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and I'm not face the booking. So yeah, yeah. So uh, anyways, make sure you follow us at SP Weird Worlds on Instagram. 
mm-hmm. you can follow me at Greg's Weird World on Instagram. And you can, I don't ever remember yours. <laughs> and you can follow me at Anya Daniela on Instagram. Oh, see, it's simple. It's, it's simple. very simple. There used to be a do arts situation. And that one, and some it's, other it's all in the bio. You yeah. Just, if you like photography and poems, you can click you it go. and follow that. If go. not, Anyways, you know what to do. Follow us. And uh, I'm going to need you guys to go ahead and do one more thing. Keep, Keep it weird! Where? I never knew anything like that in the whole of my life. Nice.